Welcome to Pushing Through, the podcast that dives deep into the stories of pastors who have persevered through the toughest challenges in ministry and in life. Join us as we hear firsthand accounts of the struggles and triumphs that come with serving in ministry and the faith and determination required to push through difficult times. Our guests will share their personal experiences and offer valuable insights into how they have navigated through adversity and found strength along the way. This is Pushing Through. What is up, everybody? Uh, I'm so excited. Thank you guys for listening to the last two episodes. Uh, I hope you found them helpful. I hope that you enjoyed it. And uh, today, man, one of my very best friends in the entire world I'm talking with today, it's Keith. Catherine, Keith, say what's up, dude. Clint, my man, what is up, buddy? Oh, I'm excited. Keith is in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, and we can't move on without telling everybody how we met. Got to tell the story. So uh, here we go. All right. I'm just going to, we're going to start by telling this story. So um, a couple years ago, I've talked about this the last two episodes. I'm going to talk about it again today. Uh, We actually, I was on a retreat uh, called the retreat at church Creek down in South Carolina. It's a place for pastors to go and rest, get restored. And it's, it's, it's truly amazing. Uh, so I drove down there the first year I ever went to this thing. And uh, when I was driving down, uh, I got to Charleston. This thing happens outside of Charleston. I got to Charleston and my car broke down in the middle of downtown Charleston. And so long story short, I make it to the retreat and my car's at the shop while I'm at the retreat. And so the retreat ends, they give me a ride to the shop and lo and behold, it was just a battery, dead battery. So, um, which I I don't know anything about cars. I know nothing about, I could barely put gas in my car. So I thought, (laughs) you know, that sounds weird, you know, considering what was going on with the, with the car, but I'm going to go with it. Right. Like it's, uh, they know cars. I don't know cars. So, I get in the car, starts up fine. And I start driving home to Nashville from Charleston. And uh, how far away are you from Charleston? A couple hours? Yeah, we're like three hours. Okay. So three hours down the road, I'm uh, I'm going home. I mean, I am just like the most relaxed I've ever been. I mean, I've just had this beautiful paradise, you know, in the low country. Oh, baby, I was on cloud nine. And, uh, and I come to standstill traffic on the interstate. And as soon as my car starts to slow down, it just shuts off. No power, nothing. And I could have killed somebody. I mean, I was so mad. And so now I'm stuck on the side of the Dagum interstate, somewhere in the middle of South Carolina. Don't know where I, I don't know a soul. And I'm stuck there and it's hot, dude. I, it was hot. Hotter than the devil's butt crack, man. It was hot. <laughs> That's pretty hot. <laughs> so I get out of the car and I have a big old hat on, like a sun hat. I look like a lunatic. I changed clothes so I didn't get sunburned. And I call the place in Charleston that fixed my car, didn't fix my car. And I was like, guess what? I'm broke down. Same problem in Spartanburg, South Carolina, or outside of Spartanburg. And so uh, they were like, well, we're going to send a tow truck and uh, we're going to take care of this. And I was like, great. And the sun was going down already. So like the mechanic was going to be closed uh, soon. <laughs> and they're like, we're th- the tow truck was like, we're three hours away, which they're always three hours away. So uh, I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I had called Stephanie, my wife, and was like, hey, I need you to try to find a pastor or something over here so I can get a ride somewhere. Because Uber, just so you know, doesn't work on the interstate. It, they won't pick you up. So, um, and I was in the middle of nowhere. I didn't know that at the time, but they wouldn't have picked me up anyway. So I start kind of panicking and I thought, you know what? I'm going to have to hitchhike. And so I made a sign in my journal that I had with me that said, I'm vaxxed, like vaccinated. <laughs> And nice. I just need to ride to the next exit. So I'm holding the sign up. I hold the sign up and I'm telling you the first car that saw it stops. And this guy picks me up and he's in a super nice truck. It was awesome. 
and I get in the truck and I immediately call Stephanie and I'm, and I am only doing this so that if he murders me and I, uh, I like the cell phone signals would triangulate <laughs> and let people know where I'm at. So I, I tell Joe as a guy that picked me up. I'm like, Joe, just take me to this gas station at the next exit. So we get to that next exit and Joe keeps driving. He doesn't stop at the <laughs> gas station. And I'm thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to end up in Joe's deep freezer for weeks uh, after he murders me. And so we get to Joe's house and I try to do an Uber again. Joe's not a murderer. In fact, Joe's an awesome guy. He's a bivocational pastor. It was crazy. Let's me in his home, gives me water and Uber. There was no Uber to come pick me up again. And so Stephanie, my wife calls me and she's like, I found this guy's phone number. And you can try to give him a call. So I call and it's Keith. It's Keith's number. And I call <laughs> Keith and he actually answers the phone, which is a miracle for a pastor never, to answer their phone. That never happens. Ever answer the phone. And so I, he answers the phone and I was like, hey, dude, you don't know me, but this is a weird request. I need you. Can you come pick me up? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm in the car. And he was in the car. You're about to go to Costco or something, weren't you? Yeah. Family trip to Costco. Come on, you're about to. I just I saved you hundreds of dollars. You should you be thanking saved, me. Yeah, and you're not even Geico. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Keith comes and meets me at Joe's house, picks me up. He has his two boys and his wife Carrie in his car, and I, well, I leave Joe's house. I get in his car, and I swear to you, it's been ninety seconds. I don't even know Carrie's name. I don't know the boys' names. They're all in the back seat. <laughs> And we hadn't been in the car 90 seconds. And all of a sudden we're down this two lane road and there's a guy riding a scooter <laughs> and he's trying to turn left. Like he was coming toward us, but he was trying to turn into a neighborhood going across the lanes and a car we were, we were right in front of this. It was insane. A car hits this guy riding a scooter and he goes flying over the car. It was crazy. It was insane. And he lands in front of, Keith's car. I mean, right in front of there. And we're, I'm like, what just yeah. happened? And so we're not <laughs> sure this guy's not moving at this point. I'm like, he's dead. There's no way this guy didn't die. Spoiler alert. He did not die. Uh, nope. From what I understand, from what Joe told me, he only lost his big toe. This guy, uh, I don't toe. know what happened, but anyway, we get out. Keith goes into first responder mode. I'm like, I go into pastor mode. I'm hugging the guy that hit him in the car. And I'm like, you're going to be Okay. <laughs> After a little while, we get back in the car and I looked at Keith and I said, I think we just became best friends, dude. I mean, you have to trauma bond. Uh, it's exactly. What it, was. <laughs> it wasn't even traumatic for us. Uh, but it, no lie. We're, we're best friends now. Like he's one of my best friends and we see each other all the time. Uh, and I love the way that we met. And then eventually Keith actually got me a hotel uh, at the venue where they meet and I ended up having to rent a car, drive it home and then come back later. And my wife got to meet their family. And now the rest is history. We vacationed together. We're, uh, you mean, we just, we love each other. I can't imagine not knowing the Cothran. So, uh, I love Keith and Carrie. Uh, they lead the Grove church in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We're going to get into their whole story today. Uh, but I had to just share, how we met. So it's, what were you? Th I'm curious. Guy gets hit by a car. What are you thinking? Oh man. I'm thinking I got to help this guy. Don't let him die right in front of my kids. <laughs> yeah, <I> don't, <laughs> don't let him die. I can't in front afford of my the kids. counseling. Right. It's too expensive. And then you didn't mention the, the scooter though. Like this scooter was <laughs> like the dude was mangled, but this scooter not a scratch. Like, not a scratch. <laughs> not like a scratch you could have picked it up and rode it down the road. It, I swear to you, we looked at, you know, five, 10 minutes after we've been there and the scooter wheel still turning. Like I'm still like, going. it was, uh, it was like an electric scooter. Like you would ride like downtown, you know, like you can, <laughs> it was one of those. It was so uh, whatever brand that scooter was, I want my life to be made of that thing. Um, Incredible. <laughs> but he ended up making it. It was all good. And uh, from what I understand that, you know, I don't really know, but uh, anyway, I had to bring on Keith because uh, it's just I, I love them and they have a great story as well. So um, anyway, I, I love for you to kind of 
share, Keith, really quick, just your and Carrie's story. How did y'all meet? You and Carrie, what's kind of y'all's story briefly? Yeah, man. Uh, Carrie and I actually met at a pool hall. Yeah, I know that's uh, not exactly your typical pastor's story, but we met at a pool hall at a time in our life when we weren't following Jesus and surrendered to him. And our, uh, our entire marriage is a story of God's goodness because it did not start with any goodness. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, at the time, it probably was pretty good. <laughs> well, I wouldn't complain, but you know. <laughs> so uh, I love that. And I would love to talk to because, Keith, you didn't start in your first career was not ministry, which I think is super fascinating. Uh, tell us what you did as a career before uh, you got into ministry. Yeah, I've, I've done a lot of things, actually, but uh, I was a police officer for 10 years. Um, I was specifically worked in Greenville, South Carolina, and uh, I was a supervisor, a sergeant. Uh, when I left the police department to go back into ministry full time, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I saw a lot of things that may have helped me a little bit with the scooter. Probably. Uh, and so, but yeah, I was a first responder for, for 10 years and loved it, and uh I think I was pretty good at it. I don't know. I don't, I what did I you terrible. do? Tell, can you tell us what you did? Uh, I know what you did, but I want you to, can you, will you want to talk about that? Sure. I, right, uh, come on. so I, uh, I worked as a patrol officer guy that answered the calls for service. Uh, so if you dialed nine one one and had an emergency, I was the guy that showed up for, did that for several years. And then, uh, I moved into more of a detective role and, uh, worked in vice and narcotics for a, a while. And, property crimes and violent crimes for a while and ended up getting promoted and moved over to our downtown unit. And so I did a little bit of everything. And um, some of the most fun I had was when I was on our SWAT team and uh, just really loved those guys and, you know, knocking indoors and capturing bad guys and stuff like that. It was, it was pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Me and you are not the same. I would Not hate that. I would hate that, dude. We were having we were having some issues with a person at our church a long you know, a while back, and it, we had to get uh, some legal stuff squared away. And I remember calling Keith. I'm like, I felt like my life was ending, and he was like, "Oh, you're fine. Just say this." And I'm like, "Okay, that's the that's the cop coming at it." I'm like, "It's just it doesn't it, to me." I'm like, "It crumbles me." So. What was that like for you and Carrie? And you, I'm assuming you had young boys around this time as well, or just started to have kids. Like, what was that like for Carrie, for you guys being in law enforcement? I'd imagine that was kind of scary, especially yeah, think, being in the doing all this stuff at the police department. Yeah, I think uh, for for Carrie, it was really difficult because you know there was a lot of nights away or. I was on call and I'd have to leave functions or get up in the middle of the night and go do things. And so, you know, when Carrie it sounds talks about like it, a pastor, yeah, it sounds <laughs> like, I mean, pastors are first responders too. It's just yeah, a little different, you know? Yeah. And so I, I don't know, man, it was really hard for her. You know, I have two boys, 14 and 12 that were born while I was a police officer. And so I missed a lot of their younger years and gave up a lot of time with my family to be with what I would call my other family. Uh, and so it was hard. It was harder on Carrie than I think it was for me, uh, you know, because I was busy doing things. But she was stuck at home with two kids and and uh, she did incredible. She did a great job. But, you know, it was a lot for her, for sure. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. Um, I, I just I'm not cut out for that, bro. I respect <laughs> it a ton. Do you have any like I know this is such a basic, dumb question. Do you have any like crazy stories, like anything that's like, that was cool or that was wild? Anything? Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people I ask I don't even that. know if I've ever asked you this. I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah, Were you ever I mean, shot at? Of, I'm joking. Uh, yeah. A lot of people ask that question. And, and you know, a lot of police officers, uh, I think I can speak for, for the majority, you know, they ask about these crazy stories, but police officers want to go to work and have a boring night. Like they, That's true. <laughs> you know, they don't, they don't want to have a crazy story that most people would think was cool, but um, probably some of the strangest things, you know, we, we had calls where people would, you know, they'd be in the middle of an intersection and wearing no clothes or, you know, so that makes it fun to try to arrest someone that is. Is that uh, how you really met Carrie? Be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can't answer that question. No, uh, <clears throat> no, <laughs> That's funny. 
but yeah, I mean, so, you know, there's all kinds of stories, you know, you, you, your typical, you get car chases and, you know, foot chases and, you know, did you ever do like the starskin hut slide across the hood of your car thing? Cause that's pretty awesome. No, but I, I, someone did try to hit me with their car once and I, you know, I don't know what I looked like, but, uh, I did land on the hood cause I jumped up and landed on the hood of a car to try to not be hit by another car. So Whoa. that was a pretty intense moment. That's awesome. If you try to do that now, you wouldn't be, I mean, you'd be so sore for six weeks, dude. Dude, I'd be dead. Cause I, I don't think I could make it. I don't think physically I would make no, it to the hood. I can't <laughs> jump over a freaking deck of cards, bro. I, yeah, I'd be gone. My six inch vertical is not going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's like a Lamborghini coming at me. That's already really little. Um, well, that's cool, bro. So you uh, law enforcement. So how do you go from that into ministry? Like what was that journey? Um, how did you get involved? I mean, I'd imagine there's a spiritual story there of finding God again. Cause you had already mentioned, you know, you weren't necessarily living God's way early on there with you and Carrie. So, Bridge that gap for me. Yeah. So um, I actually was in ministry in the early 2000 and left because uh, I went through a divorce and it was just a bad time of my life and kind of turned my back on God and uh, turned my back on the church and started living uh, pretty wild. And uh, so what do you think was the cause of that? Like, were you would you say you were depressed or were you just mad like? Where was that coming from? I felt so alone. Uh, I felt like I was the only only person on the planet that was suffering with no one by, but really by my side. And, uh, and granted, you know, looking back hindsight, I see that that really wasn't the case. But in the moment, that's what it felt like. And so when I was alone, I became desperate. And out of desperation, I just began to do things to try to fill that, you know, that void or fill that that aloneness with either alcohol or, uh, women or, you know, short of using drugs, I did about everything. Mm. So you got uh divorce, started living this lifestyle after yeah. you'd already worked at a church, which is yep. interesting. Then how did it kind of swing back? So <clears throat> yeah, I was a police officer and I was on night shift and I was cleaning all my gear. It was like three in the morning and one thing about me is I love like classic rock. Even to this day, I still love classic rock, like CCR, you know, just some of that good old rock. And uh, so I found a CD and, you know, for the young listeners, CDs are something that you play music on or we used to play music on it. <laughs> and uh, so I, uh, I popped it in, man, it said good stuff on it. So I thought it was some rock and it was a, <clears throat> a worship CD that I'd made in college. And uh, what and was so, on there, bro? Man, it was like old school Hillsong, like shout to the Lord. Oh. Like it was, yeah, you feel the spirit right there, didn't you? Come on, that did. The key change just gave me chills all over again. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And so I, uh, yeah, man, I, my first instinct, though, if I'm honest, was to hit the stop button. Um, I didn't want to listen to it because I was, I was just jaded and angry and um, really just a miserable person. But I let it play and it's uh, it's like God walked in the room and just sat down and kind of put his arm around me and pulled me close and said, son, it's time to come home. And hmm. uh, in that moment, freedom happened for me. And um, we started going back to church and the first church I walked into, uh, you know, I saw my cousin who I hadn't seen in years. And Were you so and Carrie married at this time? We were. We were married okay. and uh, had kids. And so we started going back to church and slowly with time, I started volunteering and serving. And as I began to serve, I, my heart was changed even more. And then the next thing you, you know, what area were you serving in? Man, I was just helping with students. Like, you know, same as everybody that gets in the ministry. It's like, Hey, do student ministry, you know, <laughs> you're fresh <laughs> off of a binger. Why don't you go work with the students? <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you super relatable, super relatable, you know, <laughs> they'll love you. <laughs> they'll love you. So man, yeah, I mean, it started out as volunteering and that turned into a stipend turned into uh, kind of part-time and that turned into one day leaving the police department and uh, ultimately going full-time at another church. And, and here Dude, we well, are. Okay. So you left a career. I feel left like you career, man. Like, I, uh, was that hard to do? I mean, I feel like that is a big change, which isn't uncommon, but that's a big change, right? To go from doing one thing 
and then going, I'm going to do the Lord's work now, which doesn't pay very well. Not that police officers make a ton either, but like that's a big change. Yeah, we took a pretty big pay cut uh, leaving the police department, going into ministry, uh, somewhere between 40 and 50 percent of our, our income. And so it was a big chunk. Like I said, I was a supervisor. I was making decent money. I could work extra jobs, make great money as a police officer. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I, I joke about it, but the day I turned in my gun and badge, uh, I cried like a little girl and I hadn't cried like that in so long. I, I mm. you know, uh, they're family. Those guys are still family. I'm still friends with a lot of those guys and I still love them. Uh, great people just, you know, out there doing the best they can to keep our community safe and, so, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it was a hard transition for sure. I think Carrie loved it because um, she, she got to see me more. It was a more consistent schedule and uh, a better family life for sure. But uh, that was a hard transition, one I did not make easily. Uh, that's something that God and I had a lot of conversations about. And he got I told God no a lot. <laughs> he loves that. Yeah, it's his favorite thing, right? <laughs> So you end up working at this church. Um, How did you get into church planting? I mean, that's a pretty big, that's another big step, by the way, just because you're on staff at a church, planting a church is a huge step of faith. What, how did that come about? Is that something y'all set out? You like wanted to do, you know, like, or is that just how that happened? Not even remotely on the radar. Like wasn't a thought never crossed my mind. Um, I, you know, I kind of assumed at some point I would be like a lead pastor, but I just assumed it'd be in a church that was established. And, uh, yeah, you take so, over something. Yeah. Take over something. And then, uh, we took a missions trip out to Los Angeles to a place called the dream center and, uh, out at the dream center, I, I literally met this guy that I'd never met before. And this is how he, <laughs> this is how he approached me, Clint. He walks up to me in the parking lot. Mind you, I've never met this guy. And he's like, hey, listen, I have a word from God for you. And, I, you know, when people say that, I'm always like awesome but cautious. Um, and so he was like, yeah, God wants you to know you smell like sheep. And I was like, what would you just say, bro? Like, did you say I smell like <laughs> sheep? Like, and so, And he was like, yeah, you smell like sheep. And, uh, God, and God wants you to know it's a pleasing aroma. And uh, when he said that, man, something in me shifted and uh, through some worship and some other things, uh, what became clear was God was calling Carrie and myself to, to start a church. And ultimately, about about four and a half, five years of processing and prayer and talking with people, what became clear is we were called to plant what is now the Grove Church. Whoa. So it was a pretty long process from that moment of being called into actually taking your first step, right? Yeah, because I'm stubborn. I'm so hard headed, Clint. Like I'm so- <laughs> Yeah, but there's also some caution in there. Like, you know, yeah. it's not something you want to just run and jump, you know, um, as well. Like you pray about it, make sure yeah. that's the Lord, all that. So I always uh this is an interesting thing to me because I actually talk to a lot of people that want to plant a church or they've told me. I want to plant a church. I want to plant a church. And I love church planters. Uh, You know, absolutely. They're freaking heroes and they're superheroes, man. I I love you have to use so many different parts of your brain and you're like an entrepreneur. You're like a tech startup and a pastor all molded into one. Right. So um, I love it. I love, I love church planters, but um, a lot of people talk, but like, there's a point where you have to take the first step. You know what I mean? Like there's a point where you got to quit talking about it and you got to like, all right, I got to apply at ARC or whatever organization, or I got to like talk to my pastor. I got to, you know, um, what was that first step for you? Like that first part that you were like, all right, I'm taking this step, but I guess we're doing this thing. You know, like what was that first thing that you did um, to kind of get the ball rolling? Yeah, so once we kind of resigned ourselves to this is definitely what God wants for us, I felt like the first step was to honor the pastor that I was serving under. And uh, and so it became real uh, the day I sat in his office. Carrie and I had had a conversation and decided it was time to, to take that first step, as you're saying. And so I sat down and I said, it's time. And, you know, I wanted to honor them and 
they had given me an opportunity that I thought I'd never see again. Uh, a lot of healing had taken place at that church. And, uh, and so I just really wanted to do it the right way by them. You know, I didn't want to just hurry off to plant and leave them, you know, kind of with a gap. I wanted to do it the right way. And uh, so any guys that are out there thinking about planting, I would just encourage you do it the right way. Like mm-hmm. honor, honor the leadership you're sitting under, under, uh, I think that's important. I think you honor God by honoring those that he's placed over you. And, uh, and so I, that was the first big step. That's when it became real. Uh, and once he knew, uh, we kind of started just, honestly, it started with a Google search. Cause I was like, I don't know how to plan a church. Like, what do I do? Like, I mean, you know, you got your, <laughs> you got to pray of course. And, you know, I knew that we got to pray and we got to incorporate the Bible and we got to do this. And, you know, I knew some of the things, but you know, I was like, where do I start? Like, yeah, how like does this there's, work? What is step one? You know, yeah, I, what is- I think, I think you hit the nail on the head, like honoring where you are. That was one thing I feel like we did well was leave Christ fellowship. Well, and we gave Todd and Julie, I mean, it was like six months or a year. It was crazy how long. Um, and one thing that they always drilled into us, pastors Todd and Julie was don't arrive at a destination and send us a postcard. You know, like don't already have made the decision and then let us know, hey, we've arrived. We're here, but bring us along on the journey. And so that was we took that to heart and was like, all right, we're just going to we're going to do this thing the right way. And I think that's really important. Um, And I feel like you have to do that. Yeah. And I think how you leave says as much or maybe more about you than how well you plant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, you know, I, I just think honor is just something that should be built into the church and built into our lives, just specifically as a principle. I think it's a kingdom thing mm-hmm. and uh, we honor God by honoring those he's placed above us and around us. And so, yeah. And I'm telling you, when you plant your church, you don't want to burn that bridge. Period. No. I mean, um, from a, I mean, you want to have that covering in your life. I want to be able to be able to make that phone call and say, yeah. "Hey, man, is there any way I could have your notes on this?" Or, "Hey, uh, can I just have fifteen minutes, give you a call, or whatever?" And like, my gosh, Todd, Pastor Todd and Julie have been there for us. They've given us so much. Um, and I, if we hadn't left well, they wouldn't have to do that, you know, and not that they have to now, but like it was, it's a lot easier to say no to somebody if you burn the bridge. And, uh, and so I definitely, I love that. So, um, you do a Google search. What happens after that, man? You know, you do a Google search and you don't have a shortage of opportunities to, to learn more about church planting. And as I was just kind of researching, cause I'm a researcher, I want to know things and learn things. I mean, I stumbled across ARC, literally stumbled across ARC which is the Association of Related Churches. And um, I just, as I was reading, I just kind of felt like I there's something in me that connected with what they were saying. And so, man, we applied. And listen, I'm going to tell you up front, that process of application freaked me out, bro. Like, I was like, I got to have what evaluated? I got to have my marriage evaluated? And <laughs> it's all things I knew were important. There's a, but, why is there a prostate exam involved in this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, It's like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure what this has to do with anything. There is and not yes, a prostate exam there involved. There is not a prostate. For those <laughs> that are asking that question, we should clarify. There is mm. not a prostate exam, right? But that's um, they, honestly great. They do a thorough job. It's, oh, yeah. yeah. I, and I understood every every reason for all of the different steps in the process, but Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the cool things for us is, you know, Carrie and I, I don't even remember what it was, but we were just having a bad day. Like, you know, I don't know, like, I don't think it was marital issues. I think it was just that in the middle of COVID, it was hard and, uh, hard to have a good day. Yeah. Hard to have, yeah. Just <laughs> having a good day was tough. And man, I remember us getting the email. I'd take you back to where we where Carrie got it and read it. And it said that, you know, they had approved our application to begin the process and, uh, for, for planting with ARC. And I, we just cried. Like we cried because it, we, God just saying, I got you. I got you. Like, relax. I got you. And so we went through the ARC process and man, little did I know that a Google search with, you know, some random Google search was going to end up becoming a huge family to me. I have just fallen in love with so many people. 
mm-hmm. um, that are connected with ARC and, and, and they just, they're family. They're, they're my tribe now and I love them. And, you know, we're not perfect. Yeah. We don't have all our stuff together. Um, and there's certainly things that we all need to grow in, but man, you know, I wouldn't have met you. Like, exactly. Really. I mean, the way Stephanie got my phone number, like was, was through, through ARC. ARC. Yeah. And so <laughs> like, that's it, a cool story. It really is. And I'll take this time to just shamelessly plug ARC. And I know, you know, yeah. there's, there's some, there can be some bad apples in every bunch. And, uh, and sometimes people have a bad taste in their mouth for certain things because of what a few people have done, but there are literally a thousand for everyone that might be struggling or might have made some mistakes. And, um, I trust their leadership, dude. I trust the family. Yeah. Uh, we have each other's backs and I wouldn't want to do this literally any other way. No other way to do it. In my opinion, like I know there's some great organizations out there, but mm-hmm. I just, you know, having had the opportunity to sit with some of these guys around, you know, small tables where there's no platform, there's no lights, there's no microphone. They're just the real deal, man. And they really do love people. And so, like, if anybody's listening and thinking about planting a church, I'm just going to say it flat out, shameless plug with you, Clint. You got to consider ARC, and you should do it. Like, you should take the plunge because you're going to – you got more family. It's family, man. It's really a family. Uh, so, yeah, the ARC process is crazy, and I think it's even more in-depth now. You're, you're more involved in that now than I am because you help uh, – you know, assess a lot of these people um, that are wanting to plant churches. So uh, when did you get accepted into ARC? Was it, what year was that? Uh, it was 2020. Yeah. So we, uh, we're a, we're a COVID launch. So there's a handful of churches that started in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't give you the exact number, but um, a handful of churches that started and so we got to. I want to say it was like fifty or sixty, maybe forty-ish. It's something like that. That's a lot of churches in the middle of a pandemic. That's pretty amazing, if you ask me. Uh, but we got approved, and so our intensive, like our training, everything was online. Like mm-hmm. you know, and Stephanie so, did some of that training, yeah. not knowing a clue what we were talking about, <laughs> but she did it. Well, it was good. I remember seeing you guys. And, uh, it was, I I still remember that. And so, yeah, we did our online training and, you know, we started learning and growing and, and just really listening to the people that had gone before us. You know, that's the thing that, that I, I think ARC offers is that they, they really do have a ton of experience that'll keep you from a lot of heartache Mm -hmm. and a lot of, a lot of pain from the planting process, if you'll listen and so we just, man, we just honestly, we were sponges and did what they told us to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so on March 7th, 2021, um, we had our first service and launched our a church. Great launch. Great launch. In the middle of COVID, too. It was what'd y'all awesome. have? Middle of COVID, what'd you have? 431 showed up for launch and we had 38 salvations on launch Let's Sunday. Go. So it was incredible. Man, I left, I was exhausted. But I felt like I was walking on the clouds. I could do this forever, baby. (laughs) I could do it forever. Little did I know what would happen the next week. (laughs) Yeah, what happened the next week? Let's let's bring everyone down to reality. Come on. And this isn't even reality. This is the first step into reality. Yeah, the next week, 10,000 people showed up. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) You liar. Yeah, that's a big old, big old lie. But no, the next week, man, we had uh, our attendance was cut in half, just like, you know, we we were told it would be. And, uh, you know, God still did incredible things, but reality checks that in that this is not, this is going to be, you know, there's going to be some days where you just have to grind it out and, and, and push through to use your language and, to, to see the, the fulfillment and the God-sized dream that God gave us really come to flourishing. And so we we just put our nose to the ground and started, you know, assimilating people and, and staying after it. And uh, what's really cool is this past Easter was the first service since our launch where we exceeded our launch numbers. And uh, that's exciting to us. So, that's awesome, yeah. dude. Uh, it's funny. And... You know, it's like getting married and having kids like nothing can prepare you 
to launch. Nothing nothing can prepare to launch a church, especially launching a church during COVID where, and not not only COVID, people don't remember this either. There was an election year in the middle of that mess. There was a lot of racial unrest that like we're having to navigate. Like, I don't know what to say. Do I need to say anything about this? Should I, what do I say? And uh, do we, have people wear masks or uh, people yeah. want to know what we think about masks and they want. And so it's, it was like navigating all these freaking mind. It's like in a minefield trying to like oh, not yeah. blow up your little bitty baby church <laughs> yeah. uh, or end up on the news, you know, or yeah. something crazy. Uh, yeah. And so it, it was really, really difficult and nothing could have ever prepared us for it uh, at all. But even though ARC does a great job of like telling you, hey, half of your people aren't going to come back the second week and then half of them are not going to come back. And you're going to and I I don't know about you. We thought we were going to be the exception, dude. We were like, not us. Oh, yeah, not us. People love us. Uh, And I just want to encourage somebody. (laughs) You're probably not going to be the exception either. Like, just accept it. I really hope they are. But. Yeah, I do yeah. too. And if you are, man, good for you, but you're probably yeah. not. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah I, I'll write a book and get rich, <laughs> is what I say. So uh, you can't prepare, you just got to do it. So, what's kind of what's been some of the biggest surprises, though, like along the way that you couldn't have experienced unless you did it? You know what I mean? Like, what are some of those things that you're like, they may have told us about this, but man, that shocked me. Yeah, so I'll start with the good, and then I'll give you one of some of the some of the hard things I've learned. Uh, one of the things I've learned that's good is God's faithful no matter what, and uh, He's going to show up week in week out. And mm-hmm. there's not a you don't have to feel the pressure of making it perfect because um, we're not competing with other churches. We're not competing with other people. We're we're building the kingdom, and so God's been faithful. And as long as I kept that my focus. God showed up and he did his thing. And, you know, and a lot of times it was in spite of what we were doing. Um, You know, the lights didn't work or the sound system was on the fritz. And, you know, you don't have an expert to fix it like you did here. And and so there's always still are terrible every week. They're flickering. I don't even know how to stop it. I'm like, whatever. I can't. It's just like, I can't. Yeah. Play an upbeat song and make it fun. I don't know, bro. (laughs) Um but I'll tell you some of the some of the things that were probably the hardest for me personally, um, and, and I've had to really learn resilience through this. Uh, but the relational, you know, Art tells you that your your launch team you're going to lose about half of them uh, within the first few months of launching, just because of how difficult it is. And you know, we got to about month six, and you know, our launch team was pretty much still intact. And I was like, "Man, this is awesome! We're we are the exception. Like our launch team's here." Month nine rolls around, and uh, I was like, "Wow! Like, man, we really are the exception." And then suddenly, one the year mark rolls around, and it was just like all of a sudden relational. You know, people we did life with, people we love, people that loved us. Um, we began to have, you know, not issues, but just differences of opinions about mm-hmm. things. And, um, you know, planting a church is work. I mean, it takes work. Like if you don't like working, don't plant a church. Like, and, yeah. So I think for me, like the relational side was probably one of the hardest things, you know, people you did life with, bled with, watch their kids grow up. Uh, when they decide that, you know, your church isn't the church for them anymore. Um, all of the insecurities that you have and well, what's wrong with our church? Why don't you love our church or whatever? Oh, yeah. That just comes to the surface, man. And uh, the word that I would use to describe planting is resilient. Like, you know, the word itself means, you know, the, to have the capacity to either withstand or to recover quickly from difficult situations. That's literally the Google definition. And so for me, I think I had to learn to be resilient to how to take the blows, but get back up fast, not stay Mm -hmm. down and sit that, you know, sit in my sorrow and that type of thing. And it wasn't what I also found out. It's just not an innate trait that I had. (laughs) I was not. Dude, I thought I did. I thought I did too until, you know, I was laying in bed at night wondering why people didn't like me. And, but what I think, uh, Clint, one of the things I, I really 
I think it's helped me more than anything is I've learned that if I'll ask the question of what could I have done better instead of, well, what's, what, what's their deal or what's wrong with them? Or if I ask myself the question, it actually helps me be more resilient because then I can get back up and recover faster and actually begin to do the work internally. Cause most of the, the, the people that kind of left our team early on was due to a lack of communication, uh, just expectations, changes in relationship dynamics or, or whatever. And so resilience has just kind of been my word to where I'm, you know, I'm going to take some blows, but I'm going to get back up and that's just church planning. It's not mm-hmm. going to be roses and rainbows. And so if you want to plan a church, you, you're going to have to have a tenacity uh, about you that is just, you know, take the hits, grow from them, learn not to make that mistake again, and uh, push forward and, and see the vision accomplished. Yeah, uh, I nothing could have prepared me for how much it bothered me when people left or people stopped coming, uh, whatever it is, because it is it feels impossible. I know that's not true, but it feels impossible to not take it personally, especially early on, you know, early on, you're like, why, how could you, it's like someone calling your kid ugly, you know, or something. It's like, what? they're the cutest. What are you talking about? Like our church is great. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. And I think a lot of it, what you're saying is true. Like some people don't know the amount of work it takes to plant a church. Uh, some people think they're buying into your vision, but once that vision starts to begin to get fleshed out, it's like, ah, I don't, I'm not really lining up with this. Or some people do get hurt over stuff. That's like, what, how did, you know, how did that bother you? Um, and it, it's always something. Uh, and I, we, we went, you know, for the first year of our church, like, Anytime someone was like, can we talk? It, you just knew like your heart would sink and you're like, oh, oh yeah, like, no. And yeah. it would always happen at the worst times. Always. Uh, and it's the worst, you know, and sometimes like your pushing through moment might not be a drastic life circumstance where like, you know, your wife's going to leave you or you yeah. have this moral failing or, you know, whatever. Sometimes it's just like a continuation, a continuing a, a pushing through. Uh, through some of this stuff and deciding like, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm not going to let this tear me down. I'm it's actually going to galvanize my vision. I'm going to humble myself and and take an inventory and go, you know what? I could have done X, Y, and Z better. Uh, And sometimes that's what it looks like. It's not necessarily all doom and gloom, but it's just like, Hey, this is hard, but I'm not going to allow this hard to stop me. Yeah. I think it's, you know, five pound weights, you put enough of them together, they get heavy. Right. Yeah. And so like, you know, using your, what you were talking about, I remember Carrie and I, man, we would get texts like, Hey, you got time for coffee. And for whatever reason, you oh. know, it was, Oh God, they're leaving the church and worst they case scenario. This? Yeah. And it's like, man, the bomb is about to get dropped and the whole church is going to explode as if we built it anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was, I just finally got to the place. And this is one of the things I learned is I was like, I can't keep living this way. Like it's a, it's a text message about getting coffee and I'm over here freaking out and I could feel the stress and the tension. And so I just started asking, Hey, what's this about? Like, <laughs> what's this about? And Hell so that's man. what, that's the resilience. Cause I took some blows early on and got knocked down by them. And instead of taking those blows and getting knocked down, I learned, Hey, if I ask what this is about, it, it actually prepares me to, to pastor people better and it alleviates the stress that I'm feeling by the unknown of what this is about. Yeah. So, I got to know. I can't, I, you can't leave it vague. Like I just bro, need I'm to know what like, you talk I about. Meet, I like, I hate to say it, but I'm like, if you can't tell me, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I want to meet with you, but now I'm yeah. going to have to, cause I'm going to be wide awake until I meet with you. And I, that sounds terrible. Maybe is, do you think there's one day where like, that doesn't bother us? I don't know, but like, I don't know, man. I'm the same way. I'm like, I, I need to know I, what do you want to meet about? I want to be prepared. And let put the ball in their court. You're right. Cause I'm like, I can't handle not knowing what you want to talk about. Like I need to know, I got to know, like you got to tell me uh, because I will spiral dude. I'm like, 
what happened? Did uh, they're going to leave? Like, what are what we going to do? Say, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. did I make them mad? Did that text message, did that comment make, like really make them mad? Or, you know, I, dude, I'm, I'm not, I'm still not great at it. I'll be honest with you. I'm like, now no, you know, people haven't left for a little while, you know, so it's been good. We, we've, we've held on to what we got right now, but, um, I, I feel the same way. I'm like, your, your stomach just drops and you're yeah. like, no, please. I know. Yeah. Everybody, you know, every person that le- has left our church, even if they were there for a short season, just kind of testing it out and seeing if they liked it, it's had an impact on me. Like, and I think maybe, maybe I wasn't ready for that, uh, to have the impact. I mean, that it's had, but you know, perseverance is, is key, man. And, you know, Michael Jordan, for instance, you know, he got cut from his high school basketball team, like Michael Jordan, the goat, all you LeBron James people out there, you just, just quiet down, be quiet. Everybody knows MJ's the best, like, and, but he got cut, man. And if he hadn't persevered, we wouldn't have like the swoosh. We wouldn't have air, the moon, Mm -hmm. like, we got MJ because he, he persevered. And so, man, just, you know, planners have to persevere, right? Oh, dude, that's the, that's the whole theme, right? Like Galatians six, nine, I say it every, I've said it every episode, like you're going to reap a harvest of blessing. You just can't give up. You know, you got to keep going and you have to just decide like no matter what I'm doing this, yep. no matter what I'm t- like, uh, come hell or high water, this thing's going on. Like they're going to have to pry it from my dead fingers, you know? And, <laughs> yep. but I'll tell you that the attitudes only come for us out of a lot of hurt and heartache and hard as you know, you just build that, that resiliency up even more going like to me, I go through the, these seasons where like I'm upset about something or something hasn't gone my way. I'm frustrated. People have left and I'm pouting, but that eventually turns into just galvanizing the call and go, Nope, I'm oh, doing yeah. this. You know, Absolutely. I, I'm going to do this and I'm we're going to be the best pastors of all time. Like, I'm just going to like, we're going to, I'm going to lean into it. And that's kind of helped me. Like whenever I feel down now, I turn it into a little work. Like, uh, that might not be healthy. I have no idea, but I'm like, you know what? Next week's message is going to be better. Yeah. I'm going to connect with people better. I'm going to make sure my team knows that they're appreciated more. I'm going to, you know, like I start leaning into that now instead of just wallowing. Uh, I, I do wallow a little bit and I'll call <laughs> you or Carrie and be like, freaking, I want to quit. You have an opening at the Grove, you know, and <laughs> yeah. y'all have to talk us out of it. You know, we've done that before, yeah. but now That's I'm like both ways, baby, both ways. I know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going, no, I'm going to, this is going to be great. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make this better. Uh, and maybe that's not a healthy attitude, but that's what I have now. Um, and it seems to be working. So, you hey, know, so I it's think, going better now. Yeah. I think when it comes to like pushing through or persevering, you, you might have to adapt what you thought it would look like to what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there's everybody has a church that's in a, uh, a big church they love or a big church they follow, you know, a mega church. Everybody has them. Uh, doesn't matter what denomination, doesn't matter what tribe. Every group has a, you know, mega church that they love. And if that's your picture, you're always going to feel like you're failing. You're mm-hmm. never going to feel like you're winning. And so I would say, you know, some tips for persevering, you know, set some clear goals um, and develop a plan to actually get them done. Like if you don't have a plan for your goals, I don't remember who said it, but they're like, you know, that's just a dream. That's all that is. And so you got a plan, like you got to have a plan for where you see yourself six months, eight months, a year down the road. And I think your plan needs to include, there's going to be some moments where I got to embrace the suck. It's going to be hard. You know, you know, one of the things that the SWAT team that we did, we had annual PT things that we had to qualify and do. And those days sucked, man. They weren't fun. Uh, And so you just got to kind of embrace it. This is going to be hard. There's going to be moments where I'm like, I want to quit. This is too hard. I can't do it. And you just got to decide before that moment. And this is what you're talking about, galvanizing. And galvanize your thoughts and just say, I'm not going to quit when it gets hard. I'm going to keep after it. I may mm-hmm. have to pick, adjust my picture, but I'm going to work on it. And then the other thing is just have a great attitude, positive attitude. 
focusing on your on your strengths, what you're good at. It's huge. Mm-hmm. So big. Oh yeah. We um I had a call with a brotherhood group I'm a part of with the next level relational network. And I was sharing some stuff um that I've really been struggling with lately. And lately I've just really felt uh, unsettled. Like our church is at a position where like we man, we we get paid uh salary, we have insurance. You know, like we have food on the table, but it's tight sometimes. Like our church is still small and our budget's still growing and we take home what we, our church can afford to pay us just like every other church planner. Um, and with that comes some like, I don't know if sacrifice is the right word, but like I felt unsettled because we don't, we rent our home. We don't own a home or like, I want to be able to do this and not like get tires on the car, not worry about it or um, stuff that's not bad, but like, I want to be able to take care of our family uh, in a better way. And I've been feeling like a little unsettled with God, even and being like, God, like, come on. Like I given up everything, you know, like, like I'm serving you. When's it going to turn, you know, like when's it, when's it, when we're going to be where we're a little bit more comfortable. Uh, And I was sharing that with my group and the Devin, Pastor Devin uh, said, you know, do you think you may have had an unhealthy expectation where you thought that because you were doing this, God was going to do this for you. And that's left you a little hurt because that expectation isn't being met the way you want it to. And I was like, God, that's right. You know, and I think that's such an, uh, that I've had to kind of shift my mindset a little bit and, go, you know, that that's true. Like God never promised us these things. In fact, he, Jesus guaranteed us the opposite, opposite. you know, like, um, and you got to be okay with that. And yeah. uh, that, that's been a kind of a little moment for me of just going, you know what, what am I doing this for? And I think what you're saying, like having realistic goals, yeah, realistic things to shoot after so that your expectations aren't so high that like, you're going to be disappointed in God if that doesn't happen. Um, and it's great to push yourself, by the way, and great to kind of yeah. push your limits. Um, but I think it's good. I think it's a good word. Like if you're expecting to be Church of the Highlands when you start your church, I mean, that's good just luck. not you know, It's not going to be the case. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Chris has been building for, you know, years, 20-something years. Yeah. And it's taken them a long time to get to where they are. And they didn't start out you know, the way that they are now. And he had to take the incremental steps along the way, keep your expectations in check. And, and that really does help push through when times get tough because it's like, okay, what I, who am I trying to be right now? If, I, if you're trying to be something you're not, or your church, you're trying to create your church to be something it's not yet. It's not ready to be yet. You're going to be miserable. And it's going to be harder to to push through. So I think that's great, bro. I love it. Yeah, I, I would bet if you interviewed Pastor Chris, I bet he would say to you there were moments where he had to persevere, where quitting seemed like a great option. Um, and, you know, but I, honestly, Clint, I don't know. <clears throat> you know, we, we kind of alluded to it, and maybe this should be a point that we make, is, you know, we call each other when we have those difficult days where it's like, God, I'm just tired. I'm done. This is harder than I expected. You know, this didn't work or that didn't work. Or this is wrong and they're leaving or offering was down. You know, we have those moments and I think all churches do. But if you don't surround yourself with the right group of supportive people who are there to encourage you, like I'm telling you now, you're going to fail as a church planner. You mm-hmm. might have a massive church, but you're going to fail as a church planner because you, the people you surround yourself with, are going to help you persevere. And I worry more about the people that don't have them that feel alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, find a group to belong and be a part of, you know, go to this retreat, man, shameless plug for the retreat at church Creek, man, pastor Greg Surratt. Like that's, that changed my life, man. Like it literally changed, literally changed my life. And, you know, I, I've got friendships from that place that I get to carry on even when I'm not there. And, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if we learn from our mistakes, surround ourselves with the right people, set clear goals and have a great attitude, man, we can get a lot done. And I tell my team all the time, I tell them, you know, we're going to do all we can and trust God to do what only he can. 
And that's it. I think that's the thing, man. Do all you can, but trust God to do what only he can. Right. And that's so true. You got to have a tribe. Got to have a group of guys or ladies. If you're a lady or couples, you got to you got to have them. And because uh, you're going to need them. Uh, the Bible knows what it's talking about. Like a cord of, of three strands is not easily broken. And you yeah. can kind of protect yourself on all sides if you got the right people. Uh, and listen, the Retreat of Church Creek, uh, they are not a sponsor of this show or this podcast. <laughs> no, neither like, is ours. They, they, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't pay me to say anything or they, they don't even know. They don't even, they're not even listening to this. They don't even know. <laughs> um, but there's no reason to not go to this thing. Support like, go support them. Yeah. Yeah, like it, you can support it. You can financially give to it. And all that stuff's in the description, the show notes, um, where you can do that. If you need to go, guess what? It's paid for. It's sponsored. People that love pastors pay their way to go. And so it doesn't cost you anything. You got to just, all you got to do is get down there. And so there's no reason to not go. Um, and I promise you, it can change you. You can meet these people. If you're at a moment where you like, you need, you need some encouragement, you need to push through, you need to go to, a, you can go to a place like that. You need to get involved with some sort of, uh, group of pastors and just some people that are going to get in your corner and not let you quit. Like you got to do it because, um, you're only going to be as good as the people you have surrounding you. And, uh, I'm like, uh, that's, I haven't done a lot of things well. I can write a book with everything I've done wrong, but I can tell you with confidence, the one thing we've done well is we've not done this alone. And we've always had people in our corner that can help push us and take us uh, when we don't want to go anymore. And that's the only reason we not quit most of the time is because of people like y'all Reeves and Jen Wilder and Knoxville. Like they're, they're our best friends and y'all are some of our best friends and like, when it gets hard, I'm picking up the phone. I'm calling. Um, and I know you're going to answer. I know you're going to be there. I can shoot a text. Done that countless times. And you have to have that. If you don't have that, I'm just telling you, you're setting yourself up to, to fail and to, not, and to, and to do something dumb. And, uh, and I know how dumb I can be. And so I need, <laughs> I need, I need it, you know, so, uh, I can't stress that enough. If you're at a moment where you got to push through, you have to. You have to surround yourself with, with people that are in your corner, uh, people that are going to support you and build you up, you know, and you have to have it. If you don't, you're asking for trouble. So uh, curious, how's it going now, bro? You, you uh, what's going on at the church? Where can people find you on Instagram? Where can people find your church? All that. Yeah. So it's uh, be the grove.com or, you know, at be the grove. We're in Spartanburg, South Carolina, you know, our, social media handles or be the grove. And, uh, yeah, man, just, I'd love for you to go give us a follow, give us a like church is going incredible. You know, we're, we're having a great season, you know, the rooms filling up our teams, man, we got people signing up for kids ministry. Like they're joining teams to be on our kids team. Like what is happening? This is a, this is miraculous. And I think it's awesome. <laughs> I think it's amazing. No kidding. We've added like, seven or eight people to our kids team in the like two and a half, three weeks, which is huge. And uh, we're working on plans now for adding our second service. Cause we're just, we're running out of room and we're wanting to reach more people in our community. And, and so God's been good to us, man. And uh, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be here today. There's been moments where I wanted to quit. And if I had to push through and had the right things in, in place to push through, I wouldn't be experiencing the blessing of where we are. That's right. I love it, bro. Um, yeah, go go give the Grove a follow. Go visit them, man. It's awesome. I've been there one time. It was awesome. It's funny. We're such close friends, but we never get to go to each other's churches because we work on Sundays. Yeah. Um, but I love it, dude. Hey, thanks for for hanging with us today. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you can always find us uh, pushing through uh, on Instagram at pushing through pod. You can follow us there. You can follow me at Clint Lamberth on Instagram as well. And uh, love to support you in any way that I can. So if you need anything, reach out, you can direct message me. You can direct message uh, the, the Instagram, the, the, sh- the podcast, Instagram pushing th- at pushing through pod. And uh, we'd love to help you any way we can reach out to Keith. He'll help you any way he can yeah. too. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot, bro. 
Let's go. I'm he actually man. told me he sponsored 10 pastors. I'm joking. Listen, man. You're killing me. <laughs> well, we, we, but we are here. We're here to help. We, we, we can't do that, but we're yeah. here to help. Yeah. Um, reach Someday. out to us. Yeah, dude, I can't wait. I'll, I want to pay for a whole year. That's one of my goals in ministry. I would love to pay for a whole Come year of people together. Um, but if you want to be a part of helping pastors, you can visit the show notes below, visit the retreat at Church Creek's website and sponsor a pastor to go through. And uh, that helps them stay in the game, I promise you. And uh, and they would greatly, greatly appreciate your help there. But hey, you can find us next month. We, we do an episode every first Monday of every month uh, is kind of our rhythm so uh man so excited you guys have listened it's it's a huge help to us if you just subscribe review rate this podcast it goes a long way uh and it really really helps us but hey we'll catch you next time and thanks for listening